0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's second Friday food, wine, and travel show with the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. We call them IFTWA. It's a shorter mouthful, but they really are amazing. Um, They're a great organization of travel writers, food writers, photographers, authors, destinations also make up the membership of this organization and so every second friday we get to chat with travel writers about their destinations um and when we do these shows their editorials also featured in our various big blend magazines all digital and also in our websites and today uh, we're going to be talking about cruising again with rose palmer now rose uh her photo was on uh one of the issues a uh, front cover of vacation station magazine where she was talking about her well she was sharing her story about cruising uh, the canals on a barge in Europe and um, so that was her last time and today she traded in the barge for uh, a cruise a river cruise so this is different right than canal cruising a river cruise uh, with Panda on the Mekong River and this is all of her experiences in Laos I think also Vietnam Cambodia but she's going to tell us all about it today. And it's exciting to have her back on the show. I encourage you to go to her website, quiltripping.com. She likes quilts, quiltripping.com. And also see her story. It's up on blendradioandtv.com. So welcome back, Rose. How are you?
1: Fine, I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. I look forward to talking about uh, another favorite cruise company that I discovered last fall.
0: you like to float don't you <laughs> this is cool <laughs> yes uh
1: cruising floats my boat that's uh, I, that's very true it's a certain type of cruising I like I like small boats I like intimate settings I like comfort I like good food good wine and if I can get all of that while I'm on the water and see interesting destinations at the same time that is pure perfection
0: you know i i really agree i w- i was looking at the photos and um the one is that sun deck out on the boat and yes. it just like you could just sit out and they position the chairs which are like you know like poolside chairs but they look wider and more chilled out exactly and, and you just look out to the river and like it looks like it it, so- it sounds like it was warm when you were there which it, it's asia right but um right but wow! It,
1: yeah, it, it was it was warm, but because the boat is moving, it, there's this, just a slight, gentle breeze, and it was just enough that it made it very pleasant and very comfortable. So we actually, um, on on the Laos panned out, we actually ate up on deck, all but I think the last night when we were parked. In um, Laos's capital in Vientiane, which was the furthest south that we were, and by that point it had gotten uh, quite a bit warmer. And that you know that evening we actually ate inside in the lounge area, which was air conditioned. But the uh, rest of the time we were outside. They had they had fans set up if and going if we needed them, and it cooled off in the evening. So even if the, nice. the days were warm and and humid, which as you said, it's Southeast Asia. A, um, the slight gentle breeze from the bro- boat moving and then um, the fans um, just was very very pleasant and uh, I, it was wonderful just sitting there in the lounge chair and watching the scenery go by especially mm. in Laos so as you mentioned I I did two cruises with Pandao last fall uh, two back-to-back cruises I took the, their very first Laos cruise after the pandemic when they started back up again and that was an 11-day cruise and we started at the border with Thailand and uh, cruised down for 11 days to the capital of Vientiane and then from there I flew to Saigon and Vietnam and cruised north through Vietnam and into Cambodia ended in Siem Reap which is the Mm. Um, the hometown for seeing Angkor Wat and all the other famous temples around Angkor Wat. So um, that that that's that 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 was a seven day cruise, and that's kind of the classic cruise that most people think about when they they're thinking of a Mekong River cruise. They're they're thinking of that lower uh, Mekong through Vietnam and Cambodia. Um, mm. And as a side note, um, I do want to mention that Paul Strachan who um, owns uh, and started the company of Pandao, he originated the cruise, uh, cruises on the Mekong. Um, there are many, many companies that do them now, but he actually initiated that. And he went through the uh, the challenges of work and the bureaucracies of working with mm. the public officials and the governments and the border crossing. That
0: is not easy, by the way. No. That stuff, that, no. that tape and, and the, no, no. I mean, well, I've now been... it's easy,
1: um, you know, now yeah. it, was, it was pretty seamless, uh, <laughs> the officials came on board, they looked at our passports, had a couple of cups of coffee, some pastries and in a couple of hours it was all done, but um, he writes about his experiences in one of his books um, and it's just fascinating reading what it took to to get those first cruises uh, along the Mekong, you know, then crossing that border, it was days. The first one was took a couple of days to, yeah. to get across that border and, and get from one country to the other. And yet now, you know, it seems like everyone is doing it. So um, I just wanted to make sure to mention that, that, you know, he originated these, these itineraries, which um, many people now are, look forward to doing. Um, and, and then the I, Laos cruise, there. I just actually, want to stop
0: on that with him because yes, it's interesting sure. that he had a book, um you know. And I think that's something really cool because it, it, there's pioneers in tourism, and and people follow suit, and that's what you know makes a region flourish in right. tourism, you know. And right. this is this is a light footed kind of cruise, you know, the big ocean ones versus the river cruises. There's it's it's a night and day difference. Exactly. And th- this is a very light kind of vessel it's made of teak that you were saying so i just want to yes. kind of back up so people understand how um intimate and how um you know he he really is and, and i think it's great did you get to read the book on the boat or like on the the ship well not, um it I like started
1: they they did have paper puppies of the book on the boat and they started but um i was uh, just too distracted with everything else and then i ended up downloading the digital version the book is called the pandal Story. And he talks about uh, how he and his wife got into building these these boats. So they actually started with one boat in in Burma, which is now Myanmar, um, way back in the Mm -hmm. 90s. And then from there, built a company with, um, you know, added a couple of more boats in Burma and then expanded to other parts of Asia. And now they're also in India. But um, they are, they're very intimate. Um, The Laos Pandao that I was on, which was on the Laos portion of the, the Mekong, has only 10 cabins. So, you know, at the most, if, if both of if the cabins are double occupancy, at the most you'll have 20 people. The classic wow. Mekong, which was uh, um, the, through Vietnam and Cambodia, those are slightly larger boats there, um, but even those only have 30 cabins on three levels. So you're, again, you're talking at the most 60, which again is, is and, and we were not full, either one of those cruises. At that time, because this was last fall and they were just getting started, coming back up again, the, the boats were not were not full. But they're they're gorgeous boats. They're they're just absolutely beautiful, built with a lot of love, and craftsmanship. Um, uh, Mr. Strachan designed them, and they were built according to his specifications. They're made out of local teak from the region. Brass. They have that classic colonial look, um, and they're designed after. Um, a series or a, a a group of boats back from the turn of the century and early part of the the twentieth century that are called the mm-hmm. Irrawaddy Flotilla, and there's you know there's a lot of information on that um out that you can search on it, but they're inspired by those boats, and they they really look like they belong in in this environment that they're yeah through.
0: that's what I was gonna say he seems to. His vision, and just reading your article and looking at the images and everything, it just seems like his vision, it's kind of like, you know how Frank Lloyd Wright designed according to nature, right? Right, yes. I feel like that's something very interesting, because like, when you look at ships and we look at hotels, are the hotels going according to, do they have integrity to sense of place? Are they historic? Do they, and even mm-hmm. if they're brand new, are they designing their hotel accordingly. Do they, they have a restaurant? Are they serving local food, right? right? All of that kind of stuff. And I think for authentic travel and you know, travelers that want to really experience a region, this is very, and I have to say it, in, and in you being on the show before and other writers and and um, kind of, I got to, I, at one point kind of thought, oh, well, you're not really experiencing a region if you're on a boat, right? like you're doing the water thing and you're not experiencing it. Now you've you've all changed. Thank you, Iftwa. (laughs) I'm just going to say all the writers, you've all changed my mind Um, because I I realized, of course you have these excursions, but it's kind of like the boats have to be part of the setting and have integrity to the places that they're traveling through. So that's kind of, because it's a moving vessel, it's not a stagnant, like a statutory, what well, not right. a stationary, stationary uh, building um, that it has to kind of blend in with all the regions it's going through to have that same feeling, vibe, atmosphere, and also not kind of ruin the view of right. the area, just even for the locals.
1: Yes, yes. These, his boats are not big white boxes, you know, just floating down the river. They, they are of their environment, And, um, and, and as far as, um, at least in the, in here on the Mekong, um, you know, saying that being on the boat, you don't really get to experience it. um, We want to remember that the, for these countries, the river is still their lifeblood. Life revolves Mm -hmm. still um, on the river and around the river. So, you know, we would pass people fishing, um, people in these uh, big long boats that they would actually live on. So the villages, many villages are, are built along the bank um, and even the ones that are further up the hillside. So Laos is very hilly. I was very, very surprised. I, mm. I didn't know what I was going to go see. I didn't have time to do a lot of homework. I was going to be in Southeast Asia for a conference. So um, I thought, you know what, um, I'm there. Let me just do this and be surprised. And um, I was a really very, very, very pleasantly surprised at how green and lush and hilly, almost mountainous Laos is, and very, very unspoiled and undeveloped mm-hmm. as we cruise down the river. Um, unlike the lower part of the Mekong, when you know, as we were going through through Vietnam and and part of the Cambodia, that that part of the delta is much was much more developed. Um, the the uh, I would say there were actually cities there that we passed by, and wow, and, um, you know, with bigger big buildings. And but here, um, it's just you you see the villages, and sometimes you don't even see the villages because they're set uh, up on the hillside, you know, a, a little bit away from the bank. So hmm. um, the river is still the lifeblood. So you're actually,
0: yeah, part that's of the Nile, yeah. and
1: exp- yeah, exactly. Just I, I know which I just came from the Nile, and it's very similar. Um, <laughs> yeah wow okay she's um, floating again <laughs> yeah, i'm floating that's me i'm just I'm floating all around the world but um it, yeah so you're I, I like to say that i really um this these crew this crews in laos in particular but both of them um i really felt like i was part of the scenery in part as you said because of the design of the boat and also because um the river here still is a very important part mm. Of, of the livelihood and the lives uh, of the people in these countries. So I love that. that. And
0: because you got to get out too. So yes. that's what I, you know, the excursion part, I think is so crucial too, because that's what I was saying before. I was like, everybody's on a ship and they're just cruising. And look, I, I am a huge fan of sitting on a boat and drinking wine and watching the world go by. I mean, that's in like train rides and things like mm-hmm. that. Like that, I, I mean, if I could be in a limo going across the country, but then the limo has to go on dirt roads. Um I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. But you know, sorry, I want to see wildlife, but can I have my champagne too? Um, you know, it'd be really nice. Um, but that but that's the thing. Um when when you when you go on these cruises, you get they stop, you get to get out, and so you get to interact with the communities that are connected to the river that you're going down so you get to have that real tactile feel and understanding about that lifeline that you're talking about that lifeblood this is this is it so um yeah tell us a little bit about getting off the boat what you experienced is it a boat um, do we call it a boat Ship, um it's sure yeah
1: sure it, it's it's i don't really i'm not really the sure what the what the what the distinction is between boat and ship you know what size does it go from a boat to a ship but um so one yeah. of the things i loved about Pandao is they go out of their way to, to to provide unique experiences even even if we're stopping in some of the typical tourist You know, or sites that people really want to make sure that they visit. So Luang Prabang in Laos is was a must to stop at. It's the UNESCO. Mm. The town is a UNESCO World Heritage site. Oh yeah. It's a um. It it's the religious uh, heart uh, part of Laos. But um, you know, even there, and then even as we stopped and visited the little villages, they really went out of their way to provide provide unique experiences. So they would pick a village. And we would just pull up to the bank. They they'd drop the gangplank. the The crew would go out, and they would dig stairs into the sand uh, up the bank so that we could, you know, all get up there easily. Um, I like to think it wasn't. It had nothing to do with the average age of the guests.
0: <laughs> it had mm-hmm. just
1: more to do with courtesy. But regardless, <laughs> um, you know, we didn't have to struggle climbing up these sandbanks or the hillsides to get to the villages. And then we would walk around, um, you know, in a few of the villages, the uh, the women would see us coming and they would lay out their crafts and, you know, for wow. us to peruse. And, and if we were interested in buying beautiful things, beautiful scarves and little bags and, and handcrafted, cross-stitched, uh, hand-stitched. Oh, here
0: know. she goes. She's getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying quilt tripping.com is the website. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right, exactly. Um, and, and it, I mean, uh, I hate to say, it, but for a steal, you know, it's silk <laughs> scarves that, that the, the women would, you know, make on handmade looms in, in mm-hmm. their homes for, for $4. Um, it just, you know, it was, it was hard not to want to get one of everything just beautiful and uh you know they'd be there with their children and the children would be running around uh playing laughing you know the young ones that that weren't in school um and we would just you know walk through the villages and really see how they lived um and we learned about the different sub ethnic subcultures within Mm -hmm. laos and the different ethnic subgroups and and you know you had one group that lived lower down on the hillside and then another ethnic group that lives kind of in the middle of the hills, and then one that lives higher up, and then each one has, you know, a slightly different way of how they build their houses, and how they live in their houses, and so, you know, so our guide spoke excellent English, he was local, obviously, and he he would explain all these nuances, and what we were looking at, and, you know, why, you know, why is this rice drying here in the sun on a on a tarp and where do they get it from? And, and I know how is this village making their living? And um, just all sorts of, 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 you know, little things like that, which if I was traveling on my own, there's no way that I would have been able to do that at all. You know, oh, I might be able to go to Luang Prabang because it's a big, it's a city and it it has an airport and it has hotels and, you know, I could tour that on my own, but I certainly couldn't Pass through these villages and interact intimately with, with the the local people and and really kind of you know for a few minutes anyway for half an hour sort of connect with, with, with them and and, and get a sense of what their lifestyle is like and and and, you know they 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 were happy they didn't live like I do but um, they seemed you know they certainly seemed happy.
0: But mm. that that's a thing. in like in Africa is like that, too, man, it's right, like, right. you know, it's our happiness depends on our soul, you know, um, and, exactly. and bad things happen. Sorry. And all of these countries and, and mm. in our country. Right. Right. Um, so there's always that negative everywhere, no right. matter where you go. But I do believe Asia really does work on happy having like, you know, Bhutan is like that. The um, mm. happiness factors is part right. of it. Uh, life and cambodia though cambodians i mean that that is i mean there's stuff going on out in those areas too but um oh
1: yeah uh, cambodia i mean talk about a difficult history
0: yeah um, i mean that's some deep stuff i mean right
1: and and we did um and i'll you know so when i was um i'm not i not cruise through vietnam and cambodia when we were in namp and one of the excursions was to go see the killing fields and then no. the um, there there's a uh, one of the schools that the uh, uh, Khmer Rouge used as um for torture and and for prisoners and all. and i I have to tell you, I really had to think about, do I want to go see this? You know, i've mm. I've been to Europe. I've been to the concentration camps. i I don't need to be I don't need a physical reminder of man's and humanity to man. i I,
0: mm.
1: I know it's there. i've I've read enough history you know I don't need to be educated on it but at the same time because as a travel writer and photographer I felt I also had a responsibility to share this with others who would not be able to go Mm. there and see what it looks like now so in the end I did go and I'm glad I went because it was it was a very obviously moving but also a very interesting experience to see how they've memorialized and how they make sure that they don't forget it and the future generations don't forget what happened there at both of those sites so um that, yeah, that, yeah and at, but at the same time when i you know, when you speak with the people in cambodia um i don't think there was a single person that we interacted with so we had some of the staff on the boat were from cambodia um, or when I, when I toured Sam Reap and that area with the guides there and my driver, you know, and you ask them, well, about that time period, and there isn't a single person that didn't have a family member that was not impacted by what happened when the Khmer Rouge were in power. And yet, they seem to have gotten past it and shed, to some degree, have been able to shed that history and just kind of move forward in a positive manner. At least the people that we interacted with—that's yeah, how they yeah. presented it. So, well, yeah,
0: you can't live in the past, but it's—and it's a terrible past. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, ter- it's same as you know, in our country, we're still, you know, um, looking at what we've done, slavery-wise, and um, and it—you can't, you can't dismiss it. You've no. got to still face yeah. it, so that and remember it, and not let it happen again and unfortunately like slavery is happening all over the world still to this day and in our backyard so we can't ignore it but i think it's it's what you're saying is so valuable about still going you know we don't want to see these things a lot of people we want to turn close our eyes we don't want to see it we don't want to be upset by it but it's um i think there's something to be said about seeing how people handle situations Yes. Because I think we all handle situations in our life, right? right? Or try to. And when you go to places like this and, and you experience that, doesn't it help us in life as writer? you know, going to play, travelers to understand situations better in a way and kind of put things in perspective? Like if you're upset about something, are we going to be as upset about it when we've been to a place like this where you've seen true things that have really been bad you know what i mean mm-hmm. everybody's got a different level of upsetness right right but you can put things in perspective when you travel and go places and then when you see things like you know movies about vietnam and read stories and we do like a military history show every first monday and we talk about soldiers that weren't even you know 100 percent trained that ended up in vietnam and things and how did they know, like, if you're, you know, from a different part of the country here and the training, were you really well enough trained and equipped to go out suddenly in the jungle of, of Vietnam and be able to understand too, you know? Um, so there's so many stories from all of this, but when you set foot, I think in going to battlefield battlefields and in, in places like that are very, very difficult because Mm -hmm. it's just kind of holy cow people really really sacrificed in some way and or were victimized right um Mm -hmm. but either way your your survival so you you did what you needed to do for your survival however you could best handle it and when you're there it's like wow like we do not want that stuff no more you know and it's just kind of I don't know just also just the human spirit you know and what's crazy go ahead go ahead go ahead well
1: and Mm -hmm. and i saw a lot of that because as i said um the laos panda i was on that was the very first cruise after the pandemic um so we saw a lot of that same spirit of of um just keep on going and survival resiliency and resiliency with the crew um they had a i mean that part of the world they had a tough two years um the 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 folks the the crew on board you know they didn't have many of them didn't have any other resources so they they just managed to survive somehow oh and you know thing, that you know eat survive on insects or eating insects or just you know whatever they could find um odd jobs just, just until they could get back to what they're doing on the boat and so I think what what made mm. the Laos panda crew so special was that there was a it was almost a, a palpable sense of of happiness for them to be back on board doing what you know what what they had been trained to do and mm. what they enjoyed doing and 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 making it a a really good experience for for the guests. Um, and i think just the happiness to be sort of back to normal or some kind of normal um and i I think it was it was almost tangible feeling that happiness Mm and it was especially evident so i talk about in my in uh, the article i wrote for you and, and and the one for also on my website um one of the best experiences i've ever had was on the laos panda um this is they do this for every cruise the boat pulls up to, uh, to one of the sandbanks. The, the river mm-hmm. has a lot of large sandbags in that, uh, along that part of the river. The boat pulls up, drops anchor, and then the crew sets up a, a, a barbecue on the beach. It, it's, essentially, it's like being on a beach. They pulled out all these plastic chairs, they covered mm-hmm. them in, in, in white um, chair covers, wrapped gold ribbon, bows around them, you know, set up, um, candles they they made uh candle covers out of bamboo and then put candles and that lit the way to the boat
0: that's so cute um,
1: they you know they set up some music they brought out a grill and they they, they cooked uh, all sorts of different uh skewers and kebabs and meat skewers and vegetable skewers and um you know had a drinks table and you know it didn't take them long for the mai tais
0: to start flowing Oh, yeah. yeah, I like the just... cocktail pictures, by the way, it seems <laughs> that they've made sure like you're talking about, oh, there's fans and breezes and everything. And I'm going, yeah, but it looks like you had some chill cocktails to keep oh, you yes. also well, refreshed. We had, yes,
1: we, had, we had cocktail hour every evening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that 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 particular evening, it was just there was just something so magical about it. It was as 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 the sun set. And, you know, you get that beautiful blue hour. And you've got the the boat is lit up, and mm. you've got the candles lighting the way, and then they lit a bonfire, you know. And we have soft music playing, um, and good food, and just you know good camaraderie with with the other guests. And and by you know by this was midway through the crew, so by this point now we know the crew quite well, and we're we're chatting and talking and joking around with them. And um, it was just um, you know one of those evenings. And then to top it off, they had um, what are they called um the lanterns so for for each Mm. one of us they you know those big paper lanterns and then you light you light a a, a candle in it and it floats up into the sky that that you you know see them doing in southeast asia so Mm -hmm. they had one for each of us and so each one of us got to light this this big lantern and make a witch and then set it off up into the sky that's that's you know how we ended the evening but it was just it was wow absolutely you know one of the most memorable and magical evenings that i you know i ever have I've, I've, I've ever had and it, it as i was experiencing it I, I just couldn't help thinking of this is absolutely perfect i will never have anything this good mm. or just like this you know again i need to enjoy every single second
0: oh uh, that's that's see but that's that's what I say. I think this is really a special thing about the river I mean this is a very unique I mean your barge cruise was really cool too so <laughs> I'm just saying like apparently yes. you know how to pick your floating your float I'm just going to call you from <laughs> cool tripping to flotillas you know you're, float, you're floating you know um yeah but float tripping yeah float tripping I know but um I think there's just something it, it makes me feel at home. Like, I, I don't know if it's just it, it connects me back to Africa in some way because mm-hmm. you know, we were in the tropical side in Kenya, too. And um, so it just kind of made me feel more relaxed when you, were, you wrote about the barbecue and everything and hearing you talk about it. It's just that I, I feel like sometimes we get over the top crazy and luxury mm-hmm. where you need to have this is a luxurious barbecue though right but it wasn't over the top crazy it's yeah you know what I mean it wasn't it wasn't like if you wanted to be barefoot in the sand you could no to care. oh yeah
1: yeah, right We were (laughs) yeah exactly and I love
0: um, the part when you said that you had to give up. you had to surrender your shoes that's what I think surrender your shoes and so this is interesting because there's so many places you go where you know you're like Oh, you know, as we pets at the country, right? They're like, Mm. suddenly go to the house. You know, you have to take your shoes off. And I'm like, dang it. I wore the wrong socks today. You know, (laughs) you you know what I mean? Because I'm always in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm like, or like there's a hole with my toe poking out or whatever. You know, it's just the way it is. And I'm like, oh, you have to surrender your shoes. And then you said, then they clean them and give them back to you in your room. So like, I know the Hawaiian culture is very much like you don't want to bring in the, the stuff from there to here and right there's spiritual beliefs with this so tell me a little bit about that because you know i know a lot of people probably will go what what do you mean you're going to take my shoes
1: <laughs> well so um like, take your phone we... it's
0: the worst if you take your phone away <laughs> right <laughs> no
1: they didn't yeah no we didn't take the phones away um yeah no, no but kidding. um so when we when we came on board every time we came on board for an excursion um, one of the crew would be there with a cold, wet towel, which was, you know, again, mm. Southeast Asia, hot, humid. So nice. that was very nice to be able to, you know, wipe your face and your hands. And then another crew member there was with um, a nice little refreshing drink, non an alcoholic, just, just something nice and cold and and very flavorful. And then, um, you know, we, they wanted us to take off our shoes and they would clip them together, you know, with a number of our room. Um, and then they would clean them. and and it's, you know, it, it it was kind of twofold reason. It makes their life easier on the boat. If you're not tracking mm-hmm. all this dirt from from the villages and from you know, wherever you've been walking, um, onto the onto the gangplank and onto the boat and into your room, it it really makes it a lot easier. so it's it's there's a practical element to it. And um, you know, the first time, it did take me a little bit by surprise. It's like, oh, wow, you're gonna clean my shoes for me. That's really nice, but um, yeah, within, you know, with an under half an hour, if that, if even that long, um, they would be outside my door or sometimes inside my cabin. Cause I never locked my cabin, you know, what why, why do I need to lock my cabin? Um, and um, nice and clean and ready to go for the next day. So if you do a, a Pantau uh, river cruise, you know, bring a pair of shoes for walking around on deck that are nice and comfy and easy to get in and out of. And then a pair of shoes for, for you know, gym shoes or whatever for
0: your excursions and walks mm. and in and town and, and all that. Um, but that, I think that... I think shoes should always be on the comfort level when you travel. Exactly. Period. Yes. Don't try to yes. do high heel. Like, who, oh, does no, anybody no, 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 wear no. high heels? No, no. no. I, I can't remember the last time I wore high heels right it didn't oh, oh we had to do a seminar we had to speak at a seminar and then it that then, then you go oh let's do this and then you try to stand up in a seminar and be the speaker <laughs> yeah that was stupid let me just tell you we had to have a bloody mary very quickly because it hurt <laughs> it hurt it hurt it was not a good experience but no right. i think the the you know it's it, this is those little details that i think for travelers and that's what you know travel writing is about is you don't you feel like when you go to places like this you want everyone to know like you and then you you, but you want the right people to go because it's such a magical experience you don't want someone to ruin the experience for the crew because don't you get attached to the crew
1: oh very much so um yeah you spend you know even even on the shorter one the seven day one um you know you get to know them because they're so we have 19 crew on both boats Um, on the Laos Pandao, there were only nine of us because again it was the very first one after the pandemic so you know we had 19 people taking care of of nine of us and most of those 19 are behind the scenes because you've got to run the boat you've got a you know big kitchen you've got to you know people cleaning so the front-facing staff isn't obviously 19 Um, but you know you get to know the front-facing staff very quickly They, they very quickly get to know what you like to drink um for breakfast you know uh, do you like hot food for in the morning for breakfast do you just want coffee do you want tea you know what kind of cocktails do you like um what kind of cold drinks do you like and then how spicy do you like your food so they, they they're very attentive and they very quickly get to know you um but not in a but not in an obtrusive clingy way you know just it's very friendly, and yes, you, we, you know we did get you know I do feel I did feel by the end of it that you know I was I was saying goodbye to to, to close mm. friends um, or even family that you know it was I was treated like like family and and you kind mm. of feel that way because they're they, they they take their ambassadorships for their their country very seriously and and that's how they see their roles on the boat I believe I think um, as ambassadors and representative of of these countries that we're passing through and and i really felt like they they were trying very hard to to you know present a a, a hospital a very hospitable um presentation of mm-hmm. of of their, proud. their culture
0: yeah they're proud they want to have pride yes. and, yes. and show off like yes. hey this is and i think that's part of um putting history aside to move forward that resiliency is about mm-hmm. that it's like mm-hmm. um you know in Africa like no matter how bad it is no matter how poor someone is they will shine their shoes <laughs> I don't care how bad the shoes are they will shine the shoes right and they right. will put those shoes on and smile even if they're broken and mm-hmm. the souls are gone and I think that's a lesson for all of us yes. and I think travel really kind of makes you get over I, I, I just it is I mean as a traveler don't you feel that traveling and going to these different countries and connecting and connecting with the crew whether it's the restaurant people the cruise ship people the riverboat people the you know the airline staff that you're actually dealing with people one-on-one with something that we're all going to have to get along to make this work Right. You know what I mean? And right. you, there is an intimate experience. And you realize like these people work their butts off in the oh, hospitality industry. They oh do. my gosh. And they have to smile and no matter what's smile. going on. And they have to You smile. never know what's right. going on right. for them in their own right. personal life, right? right? And and they smile. Retail right. is the same, right? right? You right. smile. Right. No matter what, you will smile.
1: Right. And and we had a lot of smiles and but I I felt on the Panda ships, I really felt like the smiles were very authentic. So part of Real, the, yeah. the experiences on both ships was behind-the-scenes tours. So we got to see the kitchen area, you know, um, and cool. the laundry area and the engine room. And, oh, my God, were the engine rooms clean. Um, you know, if you're a Star Trek fan, Scotty would have been proud.
0: <laughs> Dude, um, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, <laughs> listen, you have been sold um, you know, on I mean, this. You get,
1: yeah, you get my reference yeah. then. Um, yeah, and then in, in the in the bridge and um, watching the, the boat captains, you know, as they're as they're taking us down river or up river. Um, but there was there was a definite pride and sense of ownership for their their the tasks that they were doing and for the boat that they were on. You know, this, mm-hmm. yes, it was jobs, but at the same time, I I really felt like uh, it, you know it was also their homes. Because you know, mm. they, they live on the boat for right. periods of time. So um, there, I really felt a, a very strong sense of pride in, mm. in, um, in, in these boats. And I think that's, that was another reason that I, um, you know, really enjoyed these groups for that, for that reason, very much so.
0: So what about the food? I want to touch on that. I know you had this amazing barbecue, but you know, I, I, a lot of people may be like concerned about, okay, am I going to be able to eat Southeast oh, yes. Asian food?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. So,
0: okay. I asked the, the other question. Thing.
1: Yeah. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that was the other thing that was very, very nice is that, you know, I love local authentic food, but the, you know, after a while I want my, I want my grilled cheese sandwich, you know? For, yeah. Your body has
0: to, you, it's an acclimation. <laughs> I mean, they always say about Anthony Bourdain took antibiotics by the time he came home it was like antibiotics was the first thing he reached for <laughs> because like he, I mean, how, how much local authentic food can you do?
1: Right. You know. And what I really liked about Panda is that for each meal, there were Western choices and then, then there were South, you know, Southeast Asian choices. So if, you know, if I wasn't in the mood for, for rice and, and fresh water, you know, shrimp dish, or freshwater prawns, you know, I could have, uh, chicken or, or beef or, um, soup. And there was always the soups were fantastic. There was always soup at lunch and dinner. There was always a nice Mm -hmm. selection of, of a variety of salads, you know, not just kind of your typical green salad, but just different types of salads, very flavorful. And then there were also cheeses and French bread that they made on board. Oh, wow. And rolls that they made on board. Wow. Um, and you know pastries and there there would be you know asian inspired desserts and then there would be kind of your typical you know western desserts that Mm -hmm. you might see in in
0: france that's a smart call from them because i think it's yeah i think there's only so much your body's going to handle of something new Mm -hmm. immediately but i also think it's cool that they're introducing you to their local dishes but i'm sure they also have you know clientele that come from the cities and do these cruises too I mean that may just locally you know yeah
1: i you know i i don't know if they do or not i i you know i i don't know if i think Panda mostly markets to to uh, the the western countries but you know right. they, um, on the actually on the one boat the mekong uh, the lower mekong the first part of it we did have a few travel agents that were local they were doing a fam tour And um, they were local from Vietnam. And so you're right. They probably do have some, you know, they get do get some of the locals on board as well. But um, I think for them, the Southeast Asian dishes probably would have been much too bland. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. Because they
0: tame it down for us. Oh, oh, they toned it down for us.
1: Yes, they toned it down. So even what I might have thought would be a little bit on the spicy side, um, I'm sure, for the 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 locals they would have said it had no flavor at all wow amazing
0: this this just sounds like such an amazing amazing trip i everyone you've got to go if you go to asia you got to do this i want to go i really (laughs) want to go like i you know it's just you guys like i was saying you and and some of the travel writers coming on the show through iftwa um I've kind of changed my mind on it because I'm such a driver, you know, I like to drive places and stuff. And now I'm kind of going, and maybe it's my age now. I don't know. I just kind of, I want to float and look out and I want to be able to get off the boat. That is a huge deal to me. And to be able to just get off and walk and not be on a huge, huge boat. That is also a big deal for me. Exactly. Just personally, you know, everybody's got their thing and, and big ocean cruises are for a lot of people, but um and and i'm not knocking any of it everybody's got their thing that they want to do and and if you can do it do it man um but it's to me that the the river cruises and the barge cruises and these very unique small ships intrigue me because i love the fact that it's chilled out relaxed it's not like you're on board a city and it's like you can you kind of blend in with the atmosphere that's kind of like how i like to travel in general it's like I just want to chill out and not be like the tourist. I just want to chill out, and this seems very chilled out and with good cocktails and wine time overlooking a river while you float in a breeze. This is perfect. But uh, Rose, I have to, I have to ask. Um, I know you're going away. I mean, we, we're getting this recorded before you you fly off. For a two-month excursion in Europe, We're, tell us a little bit of, <laughs> is IFTWA helping you in any part of this? Does Is, like, being a member of IFTWA, does that help in regards to, you know, connecting on one. trips and yeah. contacts?
1: Not, well, not this time. Um, the, the, when I, last fall when I traveled, uh, some of that was, was as a result of IFTWA. This time, I'm, um, I'm going to a, a travel bloggers conference in Greece, and then, nice. um before that, doing another uh, small, and maybe next time we can talk about this cruise, it's a small uh, sailing ship called Running on Waves. It's a beautiful uh, type of boat called barkentine, uh, and a true sailing vessel, like, you know, like tall ship type of uh, ship. And again, only uh, 20 cabins, something like that, maybe even less. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, uh, this is my second time with them, as a matter of fact. And I'm um, just going to do a couple of the Greek islands um, before I head to my conference. Nice. Um, and doing, gonna do, some, do some sightseeing in Greece. And then um, eventually um, I will end up in Italy and I'm going to be doing another barge cruise with European waterways, but this time in Italy, from mm. Venice uh, along the Po Canal to Mantua for six days. Nice. So it'll be another um, small boat. A floating experience
0: <laughs> she's floating the quilt cool tripper is floating i'm floating i like this yes. yeah floating. i know you, you i think you need a quilt for each of these experiences well you know
1: i um yeah i haven't been home long enough i've only been home a few weeks this time so i didn't really have a chance to make something for this trip i, I do like to make quilts that you know inspired by my travel destination but i did have one for asia actually i traveled around for six weeks in Asia with with a book that I had made out of silk and um, I photographed it in a a bunch of different places um, that were very typically Asian so you you know you can tell that you know in temples and 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 settings that were very typically Asian Um, because that that's that's why it's called full tripping because I like to I like to travel I like to take photos and then when I am home and I have time um, I like to make make quilts that are inspired by my travels and then I'll take them with me and photograph them but this time around unfortunately I wasn't home long enough and I have no room in my suitcase because I'm traveling for so long it's kind of packed Um,
0: I think I think you need to have like a little mascot like Nancy and I are we have our pink sock monkey Priscilla and she goes the poor little thing is falling apart this little girl is she's an elder now um but she she and during the pandemic we had to put her away because people like to pick her up and some people coddle her like they're i don't know they go back to childhood or something with her mm. and um and now she's like she's elder and i'm like get your hands off my monkey but <laughs> but the, no people recognize her it's crazy okay. We've been places and they're like where's priscilla and i'm like what who are you yeah we want to see priscilla i'm like that's <laughs> so weird but um i was just thinking like if you had like a something
1: yeah uh, that's Wisconsin, what I you you're could right. wear
0: like You could give a different quilt dress or a um you know what i mean something like that like something something or oh i know what you could do you know we i don't know if you handwrite anything do any of us anymore you could get like a journal right and then cover it with a quilt oh there's an
1: idea that's a yeah. really good idea
0: but i love what you're doing with quilts and nancy and i have such a big thing about quilts and okay i think quilts always tell a story and they do and that's and we're the blend and that's how it is because quilts connect things together in a story and that's i think we're aligned on that kind of yeah yeah thing it's like oh yeah i mean look at what you, the stories you just told from a, a river cruise you know in Laos and Vietnam, Cambodia. Look at all these stories of the people and the crew and the barbecues and villages. I mean, and then going into the textiles. So suddenly, it's silk, right? Right.
1: And and that was one of the, one of the. Uh, actually, I think we went to two different silk places, and saw how they they wove the silk the fabric. Um, and went from all the way from the process. From that was one of the excursions where we saw it go all the way from the the silkworm to mm. the cocoon to removing the silk thread from the cocoon to um ra- you know spinning it and then weaving with it um so we sent mm. we, buying it we saw that whole process um that was just fascinating um
0: i that, had i uh, had yeah. silkworms when i was a kid in south Did africa you? i had silkworms because we had mulberry trees and then oh
1: yeah yeah so
0: there's a whole thing about mulberry trees and silkworms and i had silkworms okay and um i fed them and they did those silk cocoons and then i looked i mean it's pretty magical these things will come it up is. different colors i mean people would dye stuff and whatever i didn't do that but like it was they, they look like it's almost like a Cheeto, depending. Um, yes. but it, 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 <laughs> you're you know right. what I mean? It's like a cheese puff more uh-huh, than a Cheeto. Uh-huh, and is. But it's like woven and it's absolutely amazing what nature does. Like yeah. when you look at it's almost edible looking and then like cotton candy edible kind of. But then, you know, like that came out of a worm. You may not want to. But it. <laughs> I, I mean, that whole process as a kid doing the silkworm thing, yeah. I think I drove my mom nuts because then I was like, I want a silkworm farm. <laughs> Let's go. But I didn't do anything with the, I mean, it was kind of crazy, but it's, they're beautiful, aren't they? It's like is, that such colors. a It is.
1: It is such an interesting process. And then when you see how fine that thread is.
0: That's what I and mean. Then, yeah. And then when
1: somebody takes that thread, so, and is actually, you know, uses it to, to weave and make a piece of fabric that's so so delicate and um brightly colored oh. uh, just beautiful
0: yeah yep weaving is a huge other deal man that's a whole other mm-hmm. i don't know i, I i've watched weavers a uh, navajo weaver in a a hotel in gallup and she was doing the, the weaving and i'm just like wow look at that you know where your designs are going you knowing i mean i've watched a lot of weavers but like i i just i don't know how they know what they're doing but they do it and it's right. beautiful Right. you know i'm going to be one of those people who have to keep taking it out you know
1: so that was actually one of my excursions and in, in Luang Prabang there's a um there was a non-for-profit um organization that uh we went to that has a uh that provides a resource for the women in the local community where can they can sell their hand-woven products and materials mm-hmm. uh, that they make and then they also offer classes. So um, I had the afternoon free. It wasn't, there was no organized tour or anything. We were on our own to sightsee. So I asked, you know, could they set me up with one of their the classes here? Um, it, the, this is called Auk ok Pop Tat in Luang Prabang. And so I did an afternoon weaving class. And um, the, the lady that I worked with, the instructor, her English was very, very uh, minimal. Uh, just enough to kind of really be able to, to kind of instruct me very basically on what I had to do, and somehow mm-hmm. she managed to get me to make this this little weaving. I went home with this little maybe twelve foot long woven piece with a pattern in it, and I wove the whole thing. Now, granted, she had already pre set up the, the loom ahead of time, and she ma- she manipulated all the different. Um, Parts of it to get the design, mm-hmm. you know. So all I had to do was just move that oh. shuttle back and forth with the thread, and and coordinate by my hands and my feet to get that done. But it was still such a neat, you know. And, and it, this was a traditional wooden loom, and everything on that loom was was sustainable. So it was all made from wood and bamboo, other than wow. the the metal um, teeth of the comb that you use to. Um, you know, to to, to, to tighten yeah, but your, your fabric, but yeah. um, otherwise everything was was just from local products. It was just amazing. Wow, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a really was a really neat experience. So I came home with this little you know little um piece of you know pretty fabric um
0: that i have just nice used to display. <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't that you end up with a house of collections from right? These, right. I think it's right. about the experiences. Um, I have a Very friend right much. now in uh europe she's in in um edinburgh and she right now today she's still she's like it's been hours and i'm still grinning she went to a farm um and got to hang out with baby sheep and border collies and got into the experience and actually uh shared a sheep and learned all of it but got her hands dirty and i think that's something in travel that we want as travelers, yes. we need to get our hands dirty. We need to have the activity, but not necessarily like the touristy stuff. We want right. to actually immerse ourselves in. We want to be giving back in a way. So yes. like you know what I mean that we understand we can and as travel writers, obviously we're sharing, you know, but it's um, I think this is something to to really look at when we travel is what can we do to learn, immerse ourselves in, and then something maybe that we can give back to, too. And, and I think volunteering, there's all kinds of things, too. But I love that you were able to do that while cruising. like on And, a river and that's boat. one
1: of the things I really like about Panda is when you dig a little deeper into their story, um, they, had, they take some of their, their, their profit and, and, and they do give it back. They have some medical facilities that they have set up in, I want to say Burma, but maybe uh, the other countries as well. And, and they... They do continuously give give back um, to hmm. to these communities because they are they are only in Asia. You know, so many of these other uh, cruise companies they're global; they're all over the world. But right. Pandau, I mean, you can think of Pandau as think of it as a a local boutique hotel that is only floating, only yeah, but floating, and you're only going to find it in that particular location. That's exactly mm-hmm. what they are. They are you're only going to find them in Asia. Um, and they, they, they know their environment. They, they know the product and what they're the people and what there is to see and the history. Uh, and they know how to connect the, the, the travelers coming from, um, other parts of the world to that location, because that is all that they do. Mm. Uh, and I okay. think that's, that's what I, why I really, really liked crew these two cruises because it, um, it felt like a very boutique, you know, um, bespoke is being overused these days, but it felt very much yeah. like that.
0: I, and everyone, the website is pendal.com, it is P-A-N-D-A-W, Pendal.com to have a look. And when you go, you got to go look at their website. It's awesome, too. I mean, I love they do so many cool things. Like there's a whole package just for single travelers. Yes. Um, they have, you know, educational adventures uh, for under 18 years old um you know they they really do seem to have a um just a resp- they're responsible they're a responsible
1: yes, very much uh,
0: River Cruise Company. So Very much. Um, check that out. I think that's important. And, yes. and you know, everyone following suit. I hope they follow suit in, in just as much responsibility. Uh everyone again, uh Rose's article is up on our site, blendradioandtv.com. tv.com You can read her one about barge cruising, just type in Rose Palmer, you'll see both stories there. And you can also go to her website, quilttripping.com. So that's q-u-i-l tripping.com. Um, And also for the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association, they really do rock. They do so much. So if you are a destination, uh, even if you're a winery, you know, a a cruise company, you may want to look at joining because it is really about everyone coming together in uh, in the spirit of travel, food, and wine. And uh, check them out. Go to ifwtwa.org. They have their next conference coming up in October. And by the way, that's on a cruise.
1: How I'll about be there. i will be there oh of
0: course you are it's cruising <laughs> with princess cruises you know and yes. i think it's really cool don't you go to vancouver and then go back down to california like yes you're doing yes. a proper cruise It's yes and so this is a
1: big ship um and it's uh we start we'll start in vancouver and cruise along the coast and we end in los angeles with a stop in san francisco and victoria what and it should be a lot of fun yes it should be like, very seriously.
0: nice seriously Oh, a bunch of travel writers and destinations on one cruise ship. Like how much is going to happen after that? Like stories about like what's you know, happened on the cruise ship stays on the cruise ship. No, not when you have a bunch of food, wine, travel writers. On no, there. no, no, no it will be, there will
1: be no secrets, no secrets there, there at all. It will all come out.
0: I do want to tell people if you're not a member of IFTWA, you can uh, still go on this cruise. If you're thinking yes. about becoming a travel writer, a blogger photographer. Um, They're really cool. They have um, all kinds of conferences, uh, educational. I think in the pandemic, I think, I don't know, Rose, if you went to any of their um, webinars during the pandemic. I have. They were, they, they stood up and said, oh, we ain't closed down. We're doing stuff. And they've continued a lot of these programs, haven't they? Right.
1: Yes. They're, the webinars are still ongoing on a regular basis and they cycle through webinars about Food about wine about a travel destination about um, improving as a writer or blogger or you know um, whatever so it's it's um, it's not just food and wine it's it's a variety of topics of interest yeah. to the broader membership and yes you're right the conference is open to um, non-members as well so and and their spouses or partners that um, you know want to come on the cruise and it's a great deal it's a great deal for apprentice Cruise for six nights—you're not going to be able to find that kind of a price um, on your own for everything that you get that comes oh. with with the cruise.
0: You really are the, the cruise conference. person. I had no idea you knew everything about the conference. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, well, hand it over um, to Rose. She knows about the cruise. She knows. So I've
1: also um done a, a, a three or four Princess Cruises in the last year and have been writing about them on my website. Oh, cool. Um, so. Um, i'm looking
0: forward to doing another one this is one of have you done their 360 experience yet
1: no no i'm looking forward to doing that so the the conference is on the discovery princess which is the newest ship that just came out la, late last year and the 360 is on that Ooh, and they just introduced yeah the 360 on the enchanted Prin- princess which is in the uh, mediterranean here this um this spring and i was toying with the idea of um maybe doing a quick cruise on her while i was in europe but i haven't decided yet so we'll see
0: uh everyone if you go to uh blend uh radio and TV.com, just type in linda kazam 360 and you'll see uh the interview we did with the uh the ceo of princess cruises and uh, he talks about the 360 experience you can read her article about the experience like seriously i want the experience like it's one of these really crazy cool immersive experiences where things move on your plate you go on like a virtual journey through the mediterranean and as they put up the photo of the cheesemonger kind of thing you're going to eat the cheesemonger's cheese but things are moving on your plate like there's lavender breezes with bees and bees aren't going to sting you because they're not real but it's there but it's real but it's not you have to check it out like and then there's wait. something to do with with wine that's aged in the ocean or something but no one will tell me what it is and you basically have to go okay to figure it out and know okay. what it is but apparently this is off the charts like nothing else and, right you hear, I, think,
1: and I can't wait
0: yeah, I know. I'm like when we were doing the interview. I'm like, this is this sucks. I want. <laughs> I, just, I want, like this is great. I'm really enjoying this, but like it sucks that I'm not in it. You know what I mean? That that's oh, what can I was join saying. Us. You know, yeah. I I you, I you was
1: know good. you could do um you could you could do um podcasts off from the boat with all I the know. wouldn't that be
0: fun? Sundays. Wouldn't that be fun? We should that would be great. We should do it. Yeah, be fun. It'd be super fun. We'll be in Maryland, but oh, um, okay. We will do something on it at some point uh, for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, and listen, um, I'm excited for you in Europe. I'll be following you on social media. Tell everybody the best places to follow you because you're going to be all over the place, and we want to see. Right. We so, know. um,
1: I quilt tripping on Instagram and quilt tripping on Facebook. I will awesome. I only do those two.
0: That's all I do for now. Yep yeah there's a line (laughs) so everyone again quilt tripping.com is a place ifwtwa.org for the international food one travel writers association and of course keep up with us we're here every second friday talking to writers um and we also have a second tuesday a third monday and a oh boy we have four shows it's amazing um, but if you go to ACAST.com, just type in I-F-W-T-W-A, and you'll also see that EFTWA has its own uh, podcast channel now with us, and uh, there's a lot going on. So anyway, thank you all for joining us. Everyone, happy travels. Thank you, Rose. It's always thank a pleasure. You.
1: Thank you very much.